0: Choices have consequences, which is probably blatantly obvious. But, do we really fully know the extent of the consequences of our choices? Or maybe better yet, is it even possible to know the full breadth of the consequence of the choices that we make and the way that we think, the way that we speak, the way that we act? When it comes to this idea, there's something that I like to go back to. It's this short little documentary. It's called Wolves Change Rivers. So in Yellowstone National Park in the 70s, wolves were wiped out because of hunting. So there were no more wolves in Yellowstone National Park. And over the next couple of decades, the elk took over because they had no more predators. And so they were grazing all the lands in Yellowstone National Park. and It was becoming a problem. So they tried to send humans in there to hunt and to quell the herds a little bit, but they couldn't do enough to affect any change so they went and they got some good strong canadian wolves and they brought those wolves back into yellowstone and they started paying attention to what happened so of course the wolves hunted the elk but that wasn't the only thing that happened because they now had a predator the elk moved away from certain areas they avoided certain areas because they couldn't be out in the open anymore because they were being hunted And so they got moved away from grazing all of the lands, the fields right next to the river and went up into the woods and hiding. And because they did that, in just six years, the trees that were there grew five times taller. And because those trees grew five times taller, now birds started flocking back into Yellowstone National Park. Now wolves are also competitors with coyotes and from time to time take out some coyotes, which means that... Rabbits and small rodents started to increase because now they weren't the only prey. Beavers also came in because now they had trees. And when beavers come in, beavers create dams, and the dams create new environments for different wildlife to move in. And so the bears started coming in in greater numbers as well. Now because the elk weren't grazing all of the land anymore, and these trees were growing up, and there was wildlife living along the riverbanks... Erosion was no longer the problem that it had become with the elk. And so the riverbanks solidified. And a river that over just 20 short years had become a very meandering river because of the elk, started to straighten up because of the removal of that erosion. The choice to bring back the wolves literally had the consequence of changing the flow of a river. Choices have consequences. But how often or how aware are we of what the consequences to those choices are? Whenever we make a choice, it's like putting a rock into water. It's this ripple effect. And those ripples go out. And we probably never pay attention to how long it takes for that ripple to finally die out. And once that ripple takes place, you can't take it back. You can't undo the effect that putting that rock had. Just think for yourself for a moment, think of something from your own life that somebody said or somebody did to you or for you that you know still impacts the way that you think, speak, or act in your life today, for better or for worse. Now think about if you went back to that person and told them about that moment, do you think that they would remember? And then the more that you are in a position of leadership, the more that that effect, that consequence, that ripple effect happens. We can say and do things that will have consequences that we might never even come to know in other people's lives and in the world around us, because our choices have those consequences. Just think, for example, the change of TV in our lives. For some of you, you experience the whole progression of what took place. But there's lots of effects to television, right? It made affordable art for people. But you didn't have to have money to go to a theater to go and experience art. Now you could just have it streamed into your home. That the world was opened up to you. That no longer was it just the local town gossip that you got your news about, or maybe a paper that came every once in a while. But now, anytime you wanted, you could be opened up to different cultures and traditions and practices and religions and world events anytime that you want. It created a sense of community, right? For some of you, this will make me make you feel old, and for some of you, it'll make me feel old. But I remember when I was younger, not every Euler game was televised, which meant that you either had to come around the radio and listen to Rod Phillips call the game, which is not the same as watching, or you waited until the journal came out the next day and you got the score. Now we can watch every game, and we can break down every game the next morning when we see each other because we've shared that same experience of watching that game. But then at the same time, for a lot of us, the TV has become the centerpiece in our home. It takes one of the most prominent places in our living rooms. How much time do we devote to that entertainment in our life? How has it affected us in that way? Is it a distraction? Or if I told you that I think that every one of you should give up TV for Lent, Does that make you start to squirm a little bit? Because that would be a little bit too much to ask. How has just the consequence of one appliance changed the whole way that we go about our life? That's just one thing. Because choices have consequence. And if we were to stop and think about the magnitude of the consequence of individual choices, it should start to feel overwhelming. And there's lots of things that we do, consciously, subconsciously, to deal with that overwhelming effect of the consequences of our thoughts, words, and actions. Sometimes we try to outweigh the bad consequences with good consequences. I want to do enough good in this world to kind of outweigh the bad things that I do. But if we really think about it, is that even possible? Because once the ripple has happened, I can't take it back. Or sometimes we just ignore it or deny it, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Does that really work? Sometimes we mitigate it. Well, it's not that bad, you're just exaggerating. And then sometimes we just avoid situations so that we don't have consequences to the choice, that we don't have to make a real choice and don't have to face the consequences. And so we, isolate, we pull away from situations, from relationships, and then we can lessen consequence. Because our choices do in fact have consequences. But all that to be said, tonight has almost nothing to do with the consequences of our choice. Tonight has everything to do with the fact that God has made choices that have consequences for us. God has made choices that have consequences for us. And maybe you don't know what those choices are, but I can promise you that you have experienced the consequence of the choices that God has made. And I'll give you three tonight to consider in terms of the birth of Jesus and the choice of God the Father to send His Son into the world and the consequence that that has had on our shared human experience because He has come. First, God the Son became an infant. The all-powerful God became a vulnerable child at the hands of his mother and father and at the whims of other people. That God, the powerlessness of a child, has become the expression of God's omnipotence. Think about that. That if we believe that God is the creator of the universe, what we profess as Christians is that his power of creation of the whole universe tonight is expressed in the birth of a child. A vulnerable child. Which means the consequence of that is that humility is actually a virtue that is worth living up to. That being humble and being vulnerable and being able to be open with our weakness to each other is a consequence of that choice of God. Otherwise, what's what's our usual reaction? Out of a sense of feeling stable and strong and put together, we hide our vulnerability and we try to build up ourselves so that nobody can poke holes into that. But God has become vulnerable first. God has become powerless first and stripped himself of that glory for our good. Another one, he reveals himself in truth and in love. That he's not just born a child, but he's born a child in a family. And that the primary principle, because of our Christian faith, of our society that we try to build up, is love. Now we probably take that for granted, because pretty much every one of us here have grown up in a culture where love is the primary virtue that we try to build up our society in. But that's not something that's necessarily true. Why does it have to be that way? Why does love have to be the thing that we strive for in fulfilling the desires of our heart? Couldn't it be something else? But God has chosen to reveal himself to us in this way because God desires to communicate. Love always wants to communicate itself. It doesn't hold back, which means that for us, our understanding of God is not this distant creator somewhere way up in the clouds, but he's a God of love who communicates himself to the world reveals himself to us, who wants to be known by us. That's unique to the Christian faith. That's unique because of the birth of Jesus. And finally, he takes on our humanity. That our belief as Christians is that God the Son, while remaining fully God, also becomes fully man in our midst, which means that he accepts the burdens and the weakness of humanity. That we have a God that identifies with that and not only identifies with it, but takes on the burden of the consequence of our choice to himself. And he can only do that because he has chosen to be one with us. Not watch at a distance and say, well, I gave you everything that you need, so you better figure it out. No, he comes and he gives us everything that we need and does it for us. And there are many more. God has made choices that have consequences for us. And for many of us, we go about our days experiencing the consequence of the choice and not necessarily acknowledging the choice that allowed that to happen. That's the gift of our Christian faith. Because we don't have to acknowledge every day that this comes from God. But tonight we do. Tonight we acknowledge that those gifts, those benefits that we experience in the way that we go about our life, are a consequence of a choice that God has made in the salvation of the world. Because God makes a decisive and an unconditional choice for us. So that the consequences of our choices are not insurmountable obstacles to the fulfillment of the human heart. That's why we have Christmas. And so, tonight, I invite you in song, in joy, in laughter, in love to celebrate and give thanks to God for his choice for us, because he so loved the world that he gave his only son so that all who believe in him might have eternal life.